Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, 24th Podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. We're back. We're back. Late night podcast. Didn't mean for it to be late. It just, it, it happens. I wanted to make sure I got through the entire news cycle today. Just wanted to make sure. Kind of wanted to start back up the weekly draft podcast. I usually start this around this time of year when um, when we're going through the playoffs. A lot of teams get eliminated and are eliminated from the playoffs. Wanted to start it back up again. Talk about some of the draft prospects that are going to enter into this draft this year and potentially one that will be entering next year. Can't wait. Gonna get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited right here. One of Vore's podcast. Welcome to this white place of life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Shadow of Labyrinth. Persona. Persona, what's it? Persona Q? I was about to say Persona 4 or Persona 3, but it's Persona Q. Anyways, today I thought we would start off with wide receivers, right? And we're only going to cover one group, wide receivers. I always watch wide receivers and quarterbacks. I'll probably we'll, we'll talk about quarterbacks probably next week or the week after. I also want to cover some corners as well. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Talk about it. But I wanted to cover wide receivers today because I think it's one of the best groups once again in the draft. If you haven't followed for the last couple of years, the wide receiver position has just absolutely exploded onto the scene in the NFL. It's become one of the most paramount positions you can have look at Kyler on Sunday Kyler Murray couldn't do jack all game long couldn't do anything he's running around he's like I can't do anything I'm Kyler Murray running around playing terrible DeAndre Hopkins didn't play didn't matter that Christian Kirk was playing didn't matter I don't I don't think Rondell Moore played either which would add insult to injury Kyler couldn't do anything on Sunday he didn't have his top guy right I mentioned it before on a podcast, I believe last week, in reference to the Detroit Lions, where they said, um, 24, you can get a top-tier wide receiver yeah, in the draft anywhere, and it doesn't matter about wide receivers. Wide receivers, top-tier wide receivers don't win the Super Bowl, and it's just like last year, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL went to and played in the Super Bowl. I think four of the top wide receivers, yeah, played in the championship games. Stephon Diggs with the Bills, Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs, AFC Championship, game Chiefs versus Bills and then the NFC Championship game Bucks versus Packers Devontae Adams of the Packers and then Mike Evans of the Bucks just saying gotta get a top tier wide out I felt and I have felt for I would say for the last two to three years this position is just it's starting to get ridiculous how many top-tier guys are entering into the NFL. Hold on, let me count how many guys I have on my uh, my piece of paper here in my notes. I'm also 
numbering. Then I got 10 wide receivers. I always say this. I like to usually have 10 players per position, right? Usually like to have 10 players per position. That usually means that I'm going to have somewhere close to about 100 players, right? We can get through the first three rounds, watch the draft, be pretty competent, pretty on the up and up on the players, right? Like to have 100 players or somewhere close to that. And um, I already have my 10 for wideouts. Super quick, easily, before I really even need to do a strong evaluation, right? So this should tell you how many great wide receivers, and most of them are first to third round draft picks. They're, they're top tier picks, fellas and ladies. And there's so many awesome receivers that are entering into the NFL. Some people have essentially started to say, well, you don't need a top tier wide receiver anymore at 24. You don't need one anymore. Because there's so many guys, you can find them anywhere. And it's just like, there are a lot of wide receivers that are entering into the NFL, but if your team does not have a top-tier wide receiver, then you better invest in one very quickly. Otherwise, you'll get cowboyed. Where the Dallas Cowboys were like, we have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, but we'll add C.D. Lamb. Atlanta's like, we have Calvin Ridley, we have Gage Jr., but we'll add in Kyle Pitts. Get a top-tier wide receiver as quickly as you possibly can. Bengals were like, we spent a second round draft pick on T. Higgins and we have Boyd. We don't care. We'll draft Jamar Chase. Fifth overall. We don't care. They go very, very quickly. Just saying. So, I don't want to get started immediately. I do want to offer some more, some more credence to this, to this point. I want to stay and hang around here and talk a little bit more about wide receivers in the NFL, right? Problem with wide receivers in the NFL is just simply put this. There's way too many in the NFL that are great. There's not as many corners in the NFL that are great. If you ask me, right now, I would say the most important position in football, I will always say this is quarterback. Then I think it's a cross between pass rusher and corner. I would probably say pass rusher is more important than corner and um no it would be offensive linemen offensive line specifically tackles then pass rusher then corner then wide receiver so your wide receiver is like the fifth most important position in all of football and that may be like well that doesn't really matter that much and it's just like well it is it's one of the most important positions besides offensive line running back running back some people would have said like five or six years ago Running back's the most, the, the the quarterback's best friend. And it's just like, everybody knows how to pass in the NFL. You can have your quarterback throw 40 times in a game and be fine. Your rookie quarterback. Because they run a pro-style offense in college. You can have a top-tier wide receiver and not really a running game. Who's like a rookie? Joe has a running game. I'm, I'm trying to think of a rookie quarterback that doesn't really have a running game. I don't know. All the rookies have one. That play great and also pass great. I don't know. You can have Joe sling it 40 times. You can have Justin. Oh, it's Justin Herbert. Boom. Doesn't have a strong running game. Austin Eckler. He has like 20 touchdowns and it's just like he doesn't run the football very well. It's like they get him in scoring position and then he goes over the top. Because he's kind of a power back. That's okay. Long story short. 
TLDR, if you don't have a wide receiver, get you one. I've been saying this for like the last three years. I've been saying like, look, look, man, if you're a team that has an awesome quarterback, you're going to love this next draft because your team will be able to have an upgrade, have the ability to upgrade at wide receiver. Just that simple. If your team that, if you are a fan of a team that doesn't have a quarterback, you're going to kind of like be like, man, I wish I could participate in this draft because once again, there are numerous top tier wide receivers that are going to go in this draft. Very easily, I might add. And you're going to be like, oh, shit. I wish I could participate. I wish I could play the game. All right, let's get started. <clears throat> So, every single year, I just so happen to come across a absolute stud, an absolute stud of a wide receiver. Every single year. Last year, it was, it was Chris Olave. Around this time last year, I was shocked that he recommitted to... Ohio State, but he doesn't care about football. He could have been like a first round draft pick last year. Uh, I was like, like, I was shocked that he went back to college for his senior year to play. I thought he did enough to, you know, to get himself a first round draft pick. And I said, when I finally figured out that he decommitted from the NFL draft and he's just like, I'm going back to school. I was just like, oh, that's really, really smart because he's going to be the top tier wide receiver in um in next year's draft any kind of is it's between him and Garrett Wilson I still think it's him I think he's better than Garrett and we'll talk about it but Chris was the guy that stood out to me I was just like everybody's talking about Mac Jones and how many weapons he has I was just like Chris Jones not Chris Jones excuse me Chris Olave is at Ohio State he's an awesome football player I don't know what people are talking about Justin Fields is running out there with no bodies He's got somebody. He's got Chris Olave. But as I was watching Chris, I was just like, he's going to be a top-tier player next year. And I was right. I was easily right. This year, because of certain quarterbacks, I had to go out and scout, right? I had to go out. I had to bring my my piece of paper, my binder, my book. I had to bring my multiple, my multicolored pens with me on the road, and I had to go out of my comfort zone a little bit. I had to go out, I had to watch guys like Carson Strong and Matt Cole and Malik Willis out of Liberty. Had to watch top prospects. I said to myself preseason, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch some of these young college players. I watched a lot of Alabama last year. Still watched some, didn't watch as much, but still watched some this year. And I was like, let me just, just go out and watch Pittsburgh, right? Let me go out and watch Pittsburgh, right? So I go out and I watch Pittsburgh, and I and I really watched Pittsburgh to watch Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett, obviously, the six, I think he's 6'5", 220, monster, literally got fake sliding banned in the NCAA. Why? Because the NCAA is a soft league that doesn't like to have fun and also doesn't like to pay its players that uh, help with billions of dollars of revenue. I thought we were capitalists. I thought we were capitalists. Apparently, we're communists where we don't believe players should get uh, equal pay or not even equal pay, but um, a portion of the revenue that they themselves generate. But, you know, 
regardless. Kenny Pickett, I, I watch him play, watch him throw up a bunch of passes. Then I see this guy, this number three guy. His name is Jordan Addison. Watch this number three guy just tear it up. Tear up the ACC. I think that's what it's called. I think that's the conference that they play in. Tear up the ACC. Jordan Addison. Absolutely destroy it. And before the podcast, I'm looking at Pro um, Pro Football Network, right? I'm looking at their draft, and I'm like, where do they have Jordan Addison? I was like, they, they don't have him lower than the third round. And I keep on scrolling, and I'm... You know, looking at wide receivers that are going to be taken in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds and that aren't going to be drafted in next in this year's draft. And I was just like, where's Jordan Addison? Right? I'm looking at his statistics right now. 100 receptions, 1,500 yards. Yikes! 15.9 yards per catch. 17 touchdowns. I'm like, holy smokes, he's one of the best receivers in the country. I'm, I'm, I'm like, where's Jordan Addison? Folks, he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. He's going to be draft eligible next year. But I want you to have Jordan Addison on your radar. Because this guy's legit. He's legit. I watched him. And, and, you know, sometimes you watch guys play up against the ACC. And some people want to be like, ACC, weak conference. It's not the SEC. And it's just like, well, like he's playing Division One. I, I don't care. He's tearing up D1. I don't care. But some people want to be like, it he, he doesn't matter where he's playing. He plays in a crappy division. It's just like, or a, play, or a crappy conference, right? It's just like, watch Jordan Addison absolutely destroy some of the guys that he goes up against. Just destroy the ACC. Pittsburgh, I think, won the ACC this year. And it was on the right arm. It was because of the right arm of Kenny Pickett and because of the two hands of Jordan Addison. And let me tell you, let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something about Jordan Addison right now. Let me tell you something right now. There were times where that guy looked like an NFL wide receiver playing up against college players. Okay? Let me tell you something right now. Dominance. Dominance. For halves, for games. Dude looked unstoppable, okay? Unfrickin' stoppable. Fast, great hands, dropped some balls occasionally. Was able to separate, get significant, like, ridiculous, like, first-round wide receiver type of separation at the top. I'm watching some of his highlights right now. Ridiculous separation. Like, it looks like he's playing... It maybe not playing, but it looks like he's freaking, you know, one of the uh, one of the SEC guys, you know, like Jamison Williams. We'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. Absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous player. Another player that I want to talk about in his, he just came to mind. Let me look him up. I don't know his name because it's something French. Boom, got it, got him. This guy. This guy, Kayshawn Booty. You can laugh at his name all you want. I think he's a freshman or a sophomore. I don't know what. I think he's a freshman. No, he's a sophomore. 
This guy, Kayshawn Booty, he got hurt. He got hurt. And this, let me tell you something about Kayshawn Booty. This dude, this brother, is another freaking version of Jamar Chase. And you may say to me, 24, come on, come on. How good can how good can this guy be? Come on, 24. Are you serious? Another version of Jamar Chase? Jamar Chase has lit up the NFL? I'm like, bear with me on this. I saw this brother against UCLA get almost 200 yards in the opening game. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. He had 148 yards. I mean, like, I talked about how Jordan Addison, unstoppable. There are times where Kayshawn Booty just looks unstoppable. And in LSU has been horrible since Joe Burrow left. We can all admit that. We can all admit that. We can be like, oh, yeah, LSU has been has just been terrible. And his statistics won't tell the full story. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. I have no idea who the quarterback is. I don't care. Kayshawn Booty is probably going to play all next year. Kayshawn Booty, mark my word, circle of the day, date, excuse me, he's going to be the next Jamar Chase. He's going to be it. Big, he's he's built exactly like him. Big, strong. He's like 190, really? And he's a sophomore? Really? He's six foot, he's six feet tall. He's 190. Really? Next year, 200 pounds. Maybe 195. He's a big boy already, okay? He's only six feet tall. And he's already a gigantic human being. Weight-wise, of course. He's 190. He'll probably be 200 next year. He will freaking crush the SEC next year. Okay? Don't know who his quarterback is. Don't really care. He had 509 yards. He had nine touchdowns. Insane numbers. Okay? Problem is, Kayshawn got hurt. Kayshawn got hurt. Really didn't play. After October... Ninth, the um, the University of Kentucky game. He didn't play after that game, and then boom, season was done. They shut him down. Thank God. Let him play next year. He will be great next year. But he has all the hallmark hallmarks. Excuse me of a Jamar Chase. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He can run routes. He can catch the ball. He can high point the ball. Everything that you want in a wide receiver's bag of tricks. He's got. Just a dominant, dominant wide receiver. And that's one thing that you'll start, you'll constantly hear me say. Like I said, Jordan Addison looked unstoppable in some of these games. Like Kayshawn Bouti, the first game that I saw of the season when it related to college football, I think was the LSU, or it was one of the first games that I saw of the college football season. It was LSU versus UCLA because I was trying to watch Derek Stingley because Derek Stingley... Uh, was uh, was going to play, and I was just like, cool, Derek Stingley's going to play. I'm going to watch this guy play. Derek Stingley essentially did nothing for four quarters. This guy, Kayshawn Bouti, almost won the game for LSU. Okay? LSU has a better quarterback. They win the game. Just that simple. Let me tell you something. Kayshawn Bouti, 
Jordan Addison. Those are my Chris Olaves of next year. Watch out. Don't know who their quarterbacks are. Watch out! Just going to say, I'm putting myself, I'm just going to say, putting myself out there. Kayshawn Bouti, Jordan Addison, watch out. Watch out, watch out, watch out, yeah. That's my shot, that's my shot, that's my shot, yeah. So, let's get into the wide receivers that are going to be drafted this year that are actually, I think most, if not all of them, have committed to the NFL draft or they're seniors or they're they're probably going to be in the draft this year. I mean, let, like, let's just be honest, they probably are. So, let's kind of get into this, right? One of the guys that I saw pretty early on has kind of a similar path like Rondell Moore, right? Rondell Moore, <clears throat> Rondell Moore, the wide receiver that Arizona drafted straight out of Purdue. Awesome wide receiver. People underestimated him because, oh, he's from Purdue. Not a very good football school. Oh, he's, you know, he's he's a, he's a shorter guy. He may be 5'9"-ish, 5'8". Speedster, burner. Who cares? He's from Purdue. Purdue isn't a wide receiver factory. I'm starting to think they are because I saw David Bell this year, the wide receiver out of Purdue. And a lot of these wide receivers, man, it's really like some people will, will give wide receivers architects are not architects, but archetypes, right? Like, I can't really, you know, say, well, this guy's a 50-50 ball guy, this guy's a route runner, this guy's a speedster, because they all run great routes. A lot of these guys run great routes. A lot of these guys can run fast. A lot of these guys can um, can can high point balls, okay? Like, I don't have a problem with Jordan Addison and Kayshawn Bouti high point footballs, Okay. It's not like a weakness in their game. The same thing goes with David Bell. There's not like a weakness in their in their game, right? Some people are, are like, <laughs> put him in press, put him in press coverage twenty four. They won't know what to deal with it. We have big boy corners in the NFL twenty four, and it's just like 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 do you like talk to Jamar Chase, talk to Ceedee Lamb. Hey, why don't you talk to Justin Jefferson about freaking putting guys in press coverage? I'm about to start coughing. Hold on. (coughs) (coughs) Got to drink up some water. Sorry, I'm like, I took a big chug. But you know, people want to tell me all the time, right? People want to tell me all the time. If I put X receiver in press coverage, they won't know how to deal with it. And it's just like, I just said it with Kayshawn Bouti. Kayshawn Bouti is almost 200 pounds as a sophomore. Jordan Addison, he has a slight frame. I think he's like 180. Yeah, he's 175. He doesn't look like it. He doesn't look like he plays with a slight frame. He plays with great hands, active hands. When the DB's in press coverage. I can't tell when he's in press coverage and when he's in man. And it's like it's an old man critique, right? It's like you don't think these guys don't work everywhere and and do everything. All these wide receivers in college, they just do everything. 
They work in press coverage. They work in off coverage. They work in a bunch stacked formation. They work out wide. They work inside. Like all these guys just have experience playing everywhere. It's ridiculous. Like whenever I hear analysts be like, oh, well, just put this guy at press coverage and he won't play well. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like try try putting try putting freaking Kayshawn in freaking press coverage. See what happens. It's ridiculous. Again, all these wide receivers, right? Unless I say different, most of them can deal with the um with the surface level stuff. Oh, they can jump up really, really high and catch the ball. Oh, they have like like we're kind of starting to get past the typical wide receiver archetype. We're getting past like speedsters, route runners, and big physical 50-50 ball guys. You will never see a Des Bryant in the NFL ever again. You'll just never see it. You will never see that play style work ever again. You will never see a wide receiver get little to no separation at the top of their routes because he is such a bad route runner that he just doesn't generate anything at that point um, uh, when he when he go, when he makes his cut, excuse me, in his route, you will never see that. You will never see a Tony Romo just say "fuck it," he's down there somewhere. When freaking the DB is in phase, perfect position in phase, and Des Bryant will just go up and make a 50-50 catch. You'll never see that ever again in the NFL. Never, ever again. It just will not happen because these dudes work on route running, they work on hands, they work on press, they work on off, they work on freaking every single situation you could believe in in freaking college. It's why they eat these dudes up in the NFL because the NFL DBs don't do this. The NFL DBs, they don't freaking work on working inside, outside, bunch formations. They don't work on freaking covering these guys' routes. They just don't work on it. Every single wide receiver has a jugs machine now at his team's facility. They're just like, bro, we can freaking work on what we need to work on by ourselves. We can work with the quarterback whenever we need to. It's just that simple. And then all of these uberly talented, it's like AAU basketball, man. It's ridiculous. You got guys that have the talent to be great, and then they freaking work at it. And then they have the opportunity to work at it. They don't go home in the summer, maybe for like a week or two. They get their asses back to college and they freaking catch passes from Kitty Pickett and Joe Burrow. There's this story, right? I'll lay it on you. There's this story of the recruiting class for LSU coming in, I think, the summer before LSU won the Natty, right? And so Ed Orgeron... And his coaching staff is kind of giving these uh, these kids, you know, these teenagers, kind of, you know, the work around in the school. They're, they're showing off their campus. And uh, one of his coaches is just like, hey, we got spring practice going on. All right, you guys want to watch Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers, you know, operate in spring practice and stuff like that? And Ed Orgeron is just like, I'm running. I, I can't do his voice. He's just like, we're not running spring practice, right? It's not, he's like, bro, we're not running spring practice. Sisson is like, yeah, we are. He's like, no, we're not. We don't have scheduled practice. He's like, Joe's working practice. 
Joe's working the practice. He's conducting the practice, right? You got all these guys going in, working out, jugs machine, route running by themselves, by themselves. It's for to to practice defense, right? To practice defense, you have to have an offensive player, right? To be a linebacker, you have to have, you know, like you only have to tackle essentially. Like that's one of the main things. Except if you're going to be a pass rusher and drop back into coverage and stuff and run like that's film and tape and that's instincts and all that good stuff. But like if you're a corner and you're trying to like, you know, get in press coverage, you have to work with a wide receiver, right? Same thing goes with the safety. It's like, well, safeties are even more or even less hands-on, right? It's why the defense isn't improving because they aren't working out with the with the offensive players because the offensive players are working out by themselves, right? It's why all these wide receivers are freaking killers in the league. I remember there was this story of... Um, of like Jamar Chase catching like 10,000 tennis balls, right? Wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's, he's just like, because uh, journalists were like, <laughs> Jamar Chase can't catch passes anymore. And Jamar Chase is like, bro, in the summer I catch like 10,000 tennis balls. I do these drills that cause me to catch 10,000 tennis balls. And then they were like, well, how do you know you catch 10,000 tennis balls? And he's just like, routine. I catch X amount of tennis balls per day that, you know, compounds and that adds up to 10,000, 10K in X amount of time on top of the footballs that he catches. He probably catches around the same amount of footballs in a in a given offseason. Right? Long story short, the gap becomes larger because DBs, they need offensive players, and offensive players are like, bro, we're working by ourselves. It's not about the level of competition. Some people are like, well, you got to go out and compete against the top-tier guys. Sometimes it's just learning technique. Sometimes it's just about learning technique and improving upon your fundamentals. It's hard to improve upon your fundamentals and your mechanics. Hold on. Holy fuck. Jokic is a beast. I got to talk about this. I'm watching Lakers versus Detroit Nuggets right now. It's in overtime. Jokic, once again, for like the second season in a row. Nikolo Jokic, the center for the Denver Nuggets, one of the best NBA players in the league right now. Has been getting fouled all night. I have no idea. He just gets literally grabbed and held by the center for the Los Angeles Clippers. No, Marcus Saul, I think that's what his name is. No idea how that's not foul. He gets off the tackle, drives inside, gets fouled, and I don't even think they call it. It's like one of the most physical freaking sequences of the night. Oh, it's by Zubak, excuse me. Zubak, Los Angeles Clipper. He literally gets grabbed and held. I have no idea how that's not a foul. And then he's just like, <laughs> like a wide receiver in, in freaking college. Like, like, uh, like freaking Zubox. Like, I'm going to tackle you. And then Jokic is like, I'm a wide receiver. I'll freaking, you know, I'll freaking slap your hands away. I'm going to get off. I'm going to get off the chip. Get off me. I'm Jokic, bitch. Gets fouled on the inside by Reggie Jackson. 
and everybody else, and he just freaking gets the and one. Should have been a foul. Hold on. Does he hit this? It's like 126, 125, 34 in overtime. 34.5 seconds in overtime. Jokic Valentunas. Not Jokic Valentunas. Nikolo Jokic. Clutch. Hit the free throw. 127, 125. Sorry. <clears throat> he has 49 points, by the way. Going back to wide receivers, right? Long story short. Wide receivers. Awesome position. Working at it. Great at it. Again, top tier players, they know what to do, okay? So, let's continue with the discussion around David Bell. So, let me actually watch. I, I hate not watching players here, so let me pull up some of his plays here. So, I don't remember. I think I was watching George Karloftis. George Karloftis, the uh, the top tier pass rusher out of Purdue, I was watching him, right, and I was just, you know, sometimes I just fast forward through games, other times when I'm watching games live, I'll be like, okay, let me just, Aaron Gordon just hit the game winner, 130, 127, pocket corner pull up, hold on, corner pull up, Jesus Christ, Jokic beast, is that Anthony Gordon? They just won it. Like, Anthony Gordon just hit an absolute banger. Yeah, that is Anthony Gordon. I didn't know he was... I thought he was with the Magic, but I guess not. Pocket corner, just three ball. Freaking Jokic swung it as the Clippers cleared out, and they just completely forgot about Jokic, or not Jokic, but Anthony Gordon, and he just freaking nailed it. Nailed the three. What a basketball game. Sorry, I'm I, like, it's just... I, I can't ignore good sports. I can't ignore it. It's it's impossible. Anyways, continuing with David Bell, right? So David Bell, let me mute my computer audio here. I don't want to hear anything. David Bell's this very, very interesting wide receiver, right? I talk about these guys, you know, their height, their weight, stuff like that. 6'2", 205, large, large human being. And by large, I mean... Essentially, any wide receiver that's over 200 pounds, that's a very that's a very large football player, right? And I say that because a lot of wide receivers, like who 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 had issues with weight? Oh yeah, Devontae Smith. Everybody was bitching about his weight. Right? Everybody's just like, oh, he doesn't have, he's not a big guy, right? He's not a big guy, right? He's 170, right? He needs to be 200 pounds. Once again, Kayshawn Bouti. 190, he'll be 200. Once again, Jordan Addison, 175. He'll probably be somewhere close to 180, 185. David Bell is 6'2", 205 pounds. He does not look like it. And he doesn't really use his weight that much, right? He doesn't need to be strong. He doesn't need to be physical because he's just agile. He's quick. And he has great hands, not just as a wide receiver in the sense of he can catch, but also he knows how to use his hands to beat the jam as well, which it's just like, which is why I roll my eyes whenever people are like, well, if we just jam this guy, 
then he just won't know how to beat it. And it's just like, you don't think wide receivers don't know how to beat jams. It's like the first thing that they like practice, bro. Just beating jams. But Jokic, or not Jokic, I'm sorry, I'm watching the the Denver game while I'm watching David Bell run around. But David, right, David knows how to beat the jams. He knows, and he, he'll make some of the most miraculous, special catches, really, I don't want to say I've ever seen in my entire life because I've seen some awesome catches, like the Odell Beckham Jr. catch is the best catch I've ever seen in my entire life. But he'll make some pretty spectacular catches, man. And he just, he knows what to do with his leverage. And what I mean by knows what to do with his leverage, I mean, when a wide receiver, let's say he's going inside, right? Let's say he's, or, yeah, let's say he's going inside, right? What David Bell will do is he may set up a guy outside and then he'll break to the inside. Or let's say, and this is kind of a common theme with some of the better wide receivers. When they know they have a guy beat, they'll just extend the lead. They'll extend how much separation they get, right? When David Bell and other receivers have a guy beat, they'll kind of lean on him a little bit, right? Like, let's say a guy is kind of like in phase or in phase when it comes to him being outside, but the guy's going to cut inside. He may lean a little bit into him. So when he breaks and when he cuts to the right, when he cuts to the inside, it's even more exaggerated because the DB can't hold him. He can't prevent the wide receiver from kind of, you know, gaining some leverage to the outside. He can't cut him off. He can only stick with him. So when he cuts inside, it's even more obvious because the DB was kind of fading to the outside. David Bell is a really, really special player. Awesome route runner. Knows, knows really, I talked about leverage, but knows when and where and how to break his routes. And I think, I don't know because I'm not that advanced at watching film and take tape, but there's times where I watch him run routes and it's kind of like he has an option route, an option route essentially being a route that the wide receiver, depending on the, um, the defense and how the defense is playing, he can either break inside or outside. He can, he can run a, he can run an option, right? If the DB is playing inside, he can just go outside. If he's playing outside, he can go inside, right? That's what an option round is. There's times where I watch David Bell just perfectly break on the inside or outside, depending on what the coverage dictates. He's a great player. I'm kind of shocked that nobody's talking about him more. Because I watched, and I'm watching part of the Iowa game right now. The Iowa, it's Iowa State, right? Iowa. Tyler Lindenbaum, Linderbaum, the center for Iowa or Iowa State. I think it is Iowa. I was watching him, and then I saw this guy, number three, just run around. I think he had, like, 200 yards for something ridiculous like that against Iowa State. Unstoppable. I talked about it. I was just like, dominance, right? Jordan Addison, dominant wide receiver. Kayshawn Bouti, dominant wide re- David Bell. There's times where that dude is just... I mean, this is, this is what I'm talking about, right? This is kind of like a stop and go a little bit, right? This is against Iowa State and this is one of the uh one of the touchdowns that he ran against Iowa, right? Or and this is where I'm talking about like just guys know how to run routes, man. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter where they are. Like some of these all these guys know how to run routes. 
David Bell in this touchdown route, right? It's a sluggo or a stop and go. I don't actually, I don't even know what he's running. It's kind of like a hybrid of like a stop and go where he'll look back where the DB is playing in an off coverage. The DB's looking at the quarterback, right? So David Bell acts like he's about to get the ball, right? So he kind of stutters a little bit at the top of his route, looks back, looks back at the quarterback. And then once he kind of hits him with that, ah, ah, that hezzy, once he hits him with the hezzy, he just freaking breaks to the outside. It's kind of like a hybrid between a stop and go. And um, I don't know. It's it's like he runs to the back pylon. It's a weird route that he runs. And he just freaking runs to the back pylon. And when he gets him that, that little hezzy and that head fake, it's ridiculously high level. Awesome route runner, physical guy, speedster, nice hands, smart player, easily a first-round draft pick. Is he a top-10 guy? I wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't mind it. Hey, let me tell you something. I would not mind it. Like, let me tell you something right now. Hey, David Bell's a really awesome football player. Really awesome. I don't do football comparisons. I just give you my analysis, okay? That's what I give you. That's what I give you. So, David Bell, not a lot of people are going to talk about him, right? A lot of people are going to talk about Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, and Drake London, and Jamison Williams, and John Metsy. Not a lot of people are going to talk about Drake Bell. Not a lot of people. Let me tell you something right now. This guy, Drake Bell, he's one of the best wide receivers in this draft. People aren't talking about him enough. I'm going to talk about him until he gets drafted. Anyways, moving on from Drake Bell. Drake Bell, awesome wideout. Let's talk about Jahan Dotson, right? Let me pull up some of his measurables here. Jahan Dotson here. Jahan Dotson and a lot of these wide receivers, I don't know what player they remind me of. They kind of remind me all of like CeeDee Lamb. Where it's just like CeeDee Lamb was just this amazing college football player that like had no weaknesses. And it's kind of like that with all of these other like wideouts where it's just like I can't freaking find a weakness of some of these guys. Like sometimes you'll be you'll be able to be like, "Well, this guy doesn't run very fast. This guy isn't very strong. This guy's this, this guy's like I can't really find a a weakness of some of these guys." Some people want to be nitpicky, some people want to want to blast or whatever. Not blast, but some people want to like, <clears throat> want to like roast all these, um, all these, uh, all these players or whatever. I like, I don't look for negatives. I just look for, for consistency. You know, are you consistently good? Or are you consistently bad? And when I watch Jahan Dotson play, and when I watch all these wide receivers play, some of these new, these new breed of guys, they're all just like, consistently awesome. They don't really have a lot of weaknesses. They don't, they're not like, like sometimes you watch a wide receiver, right? And it's just talent, right? And very, very little mechanics. And it's like the, uh, the rant that I was going on 
uh, with um, with Jamar Chase in LSU, where it's just like, oh, he's just working with Joe Burrow in the summer or spring, you know, when they're not even asked to do it. It's ridiculous. I mean, look at this. I, I got to talk about this. I'm watching some of his highlights right now, right? So this is against Maryland. This is in the fourth quarter. Maryland's playing off coverage here, right? And it's similar to the Drake Bell's um, touchdown, right, against Iowa, where Drake Bell kind of like hits him with a double move, essentially, right? Jahan Dotson kind of acts, <clears throat> kind of acts like it's a screenplay kind of going on, and he kind of cuts his route a little bit short, and he just stops running it. And then once he sees that the DBs have kind of like let him go underneath, he accelerates upfield and he just runs by everybody. And he's just too fast. He's just too fast. And this is a touchdown, right? Yep, it's a touchdown. He's just too fucking fast. He's just too fast. Like, I'm excited to watch the combine this year because there's going to be some guys that are going to fucking just like go to the combine and it's just going to be a track meet. It's just going to be guys just running stupidly. When's the combine? It's the week after the Super Bowl, right? Some of these guys are just going to run fast. I'm just going to run fast. Oh, it's it's in March. I thought it was in February. Never mind. It's in March. Some of these guys are going to run fast. John Dotson is going to run fast. I guarantee it. Book it. He's going to run like a four, a low four, four, high four, three, potentially mid four, three. He's going to be cooking 40s when he runs his 40. Cooking it. He's cooking Maryland right now. Cook in Maryland. And when I saw, I, I, I don't remember why I was watching Penn State play this year, but I was watching Penn, I was watching, I watched a lot of Penn State this year. And the reason why I watched a lot of Penn State was because of Jahan Dotson. Now, Penn, I don't watch a lot of Penn State. But when I watched, when I made kind of the decision to watch Penn State this year, it was because of Jahan Dotson and just how freaking insanely fast this guy is. Speed is a part of his game. Also incredible hands. And awesome route running. He just knows, like David Bell and like all these other guys, how to create leverage at the top of his routes. He just knows how to do it naturally. He knows how to create separation. Like separation in the NFL is so important. Getting inches, getting, you know, getting just getting something for your quarterback to be able to show you like, Hey man, I'm open. Like throw me the freaking football. And sometimes man, the quarterback's not going to throw the perfect football. Just like the wide receiver is not going to be able to run the perfect route. So hold on. Let me unplug my computer. So it's imperative as a wide receiver to generate as much separation as you possibly can. It's why once again, the style of play that Des Bryant ran in the early 2010s, it just won't fly anymore because there's guys that can just freaking, you know, that can separate that are just better at doing that. And it's just being this non-mechanical, unrefined wide receiver just doesn't fly anymore. It just, it will not work in the NFL. There's just too many good wideouts here. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll just find a better, uh, a better wide receiver who can actually generate separation at the top of the routes. That's what we'll do. And when I watched Jahan Dotson play, right? So 
This isn't press coverage. He's a. This is a. This is a play against Villanueva, right? They have two deep safeties, right? This is the. Uh, this is the shell concept that we always talk about in the NFL, right? This is two deep safeties, two linebackers, four down linemen, right? They are daring Penn State to try them. They're daring them. They're just like, we believe. You won't freaking go over the top against us. We got our safeties back there. Run it. Penn State's like, bro, we're in freaking the shotgun. We're not under center. I think this is going to be play action still. Nope. It's just a straight drop back. They're just like, we think Jahan Dodson is better and smarter than the safety. The safety doesn't even get any depth. He's flat-footed. Jahan Dotson has inside leverage. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Say goodbye. He just runs by everybody. He's just too fast. Corner's like, you get outside leverage. You, not outside. You get inside leverage. Jahan Dotson breaks. This is what I'm talking about. He knows he can't run outside. Jahan Dotson is like, I know I cannot run outside whatsoever. But I know if I beat you to the inside, which you have no inside help because I don't know what the hell the safety is doing. If I beat you to the inside, it's a touchdown for like 60 yards almost. It's a 60-yard touchdown. And he just beats him cleanly. Say goodbye. The DB is trailing all the way until Jahan Dotson runs out of the back of the end zone and tosses the ref the football. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff, man. Top-tier wideout, top-tier player. I mean, rare, rare player, man. I know we always say that about, like, wide receivers nowadays. I mean, he just is. Superb wide, uh, um, route runner, excuse me. Superb. Just superb. I don't, know, I don't know how else to say it. I really don't. He's just a rare, rare wide receiver. I, I just, I really don't understand it with him. I'm so excited to see Jahan Dotson play. <clears throat> Next guy, Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a better version of Jahan Dotson. And Jahan Dotson, I said it with David Bell. I was just like, top 10 pick. Jahan Dotson may be a top 10 pick as well. What was his stats this year? He had 1,100 yards, 91 receptions, 12 touchdowns. And you'll see this with some of these guys, man, where they are the majority of their team's offense. Like, they'll have 100 receptions. Uh, David, uh, what's, Jordan Addison had like 100 receptions. Jahan Dotson had 91. I think David Bell, I don't think he had 100 receptions. It may have been somewhere like 80 to 70, right? Unless I'm missing something here. Oh, no. He had 93. My bad. Again, right? High volume type of football player. And that's what you want as a wide receiver, right? Whenever we talk about number one wide receivers, a lot of people are like, well, 24, you know, like, what does that mean? Essentially, what that means is you want whoever is your number one wide receiver to be able to catch a lot of passes. 
Like some people want, some people will say, well, he has to play the X. No, he doesn't. No number one wide receiver exclusively plays the X position anymore. The X position being the weak side wide receiver that essentially has one-on-one against the DB. Like it's, no. Because usually what teams will do, roll coverage to that side and be like, you're now in bracket. You're now bracketed. What are you going to do now? And it's way harder to scheme up that wide receiver to be open because, you know, unless like if he's if if it's Jalen Ramsey versus Mike Evans, it's hard for Mike Evans to get open uh, unless he just beats him. But you don't want to, you know, leave it up to chance. You don't want to leave it up to fate. You want to help out the wide receiver as best as you can. So you scheme something up for him. You say, hey, uh, David Bell, we'll help you out. We'll, we'll get you 93 targets or excuse me, 93 receptions, but we'll help you scheme up some things so that way you can get open and you can help create separation, but we'll help scheme you open. It's the whole playbook of Sean Payton where he's just like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we have Mike Thomas, but we're going to help Mike Thomas out by scheming him open as well. It's the exact same philosophy. Again, all these guys, high volume, high target guys, right? David Bell, Jahan Dotson. I wouldn't have a problem picking them in the top 10. Some people may argue. Some people may disagree. I don't care. Love Chris Olave. Love him. Didn't have as great of a year. Oh, no, he never mind. He had his best year. What am I talking about? I thought he was going to have like a thousand yards in his, uh, in his junior year. He did not. He had 729 this year. He had 936. Don't let that fool you. He had, he had to split targets with Smith and Jigba. Who's like one of the best college. Oh yeah. Also, by the way, uh, Smith and Najigba, another Ohio state wide receiver. The reason why I didn't mention Smith, Najigba, Jackson Smith Najigba, is because I think he's a freshman, right? He's not a sophomore. Oh, no, he is a sophomore. Never mind. Excuse me. Excuse me. Smith Najigba, I should have mentioned him. Smith Najigma, Jackson Smith Najigma, he had 95 receptions. Again, high volume type of guy, right? 1,600 yards, nine um, touchdowns. Beast. The same thing goes with Garrett Wilson. Didn't Garrett Wilson also have like a shit ton of targets as well? Or not um, targets, but like receptions. Yeah, he had 70 and 1,000 yards and how many touchdowns? 12. Long story short, Ohio State had a lot of wide receivers, and I think this may be, he may be the second best behind Smith and the Jigba, but it is not to value what he did this year and last year for Ohio State. Every single time I watched Chris Alave play, the dude was just open, right? And by open, I mean just incredible amounts of separation, not just, right, this year, but also last year. I'm kind of actually shocked at his numbers. Shout out to everybody that's like, <sighs> Justin Fields is this awesome awesome football player and he's just this like he couldn't get Jamison Williams Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson going last year right Garrett Wilson didn't have a thousand yards with um with with Justin Fields but a lot of the times a lot of the the negatives that I saw with 
Justin was um, was essentially predicated off of his inability to get Chris Olave the football. It was ridiculous how many times Chris Olave I would see just be by himself, by himself. Like Justin Fields would throw downfield. Chris Olave by himself. Nobody's around him. The DB is completely out of the play, and he missed him. And that kind of semi-happened this year, not to the same extent, but it semi-happened again this year where it's just like sometimes the dude is just freaking by himself. Nobody around him. Who's around me? Who's around me, 24? I'm Chris Olave. Who's around me? Who can tackle me? Nobody can tackle you. But dudes just cannot put the football on Chris Olave. And like Jahan Dotson, he's a burner. He's a really, really fast wide receiver. He's agile, but he's also experienced. He knows when and where to break his routes off. He's an incredible wide receiver. He's 6'1". He's 189 pounds. I think he's a top 10. Like some of these guys, I keep I keep saying top 10, top 10, top 10. Olave's a top 10 guy. And it's kind of weird to me that some of the mock drafts that I've seen in really the last couple of weeks has had him be as high as like 30-something, like 30, 31. I'm like, what? I don't think that at all. If you if you ask me, 24, bet some money. Who do you think is going to run a fast 40? A fast 40 is like sub 4-5. Not 4-5. Four, 4-4-5, five. Four, four, five, right? So 4.45, right? Sub that is like a fast 40. I'm like, Jahan Dotson, he's going to book it. If Jamison Williams was running, he would probably run, I think, guaranteed like a 4-3. And then Chris Olave. I don't like saying players are going to run a 4-3 because that's burning. That's cooking. That's like cartoonish level fast. That's like, you know, when the roadrunner would just run past Wiley Coyote and he would leave these streaks of fire like cartoonish level fast. I feel like that's Jahan Dotson and Chris Olave. Cartoonist level speed. I think it's a top 10 pick. I have a bunch of top 10 picks. I know I have a bunch of top 10 picks. But I think there's a ton of really, really awesome wide receivers. It's not my fault. It's the fault of college football for having so many awesome college wide receivers. I don't mind it at all. Anyways, moving on. Garrett Wilson, another really, really awesome prospect out of Ohio State. Garrett Wilson, I actually, if you asked me last year, I would have pegged him, honest to God, I would have pegged him to be in the second round. Like, if you asked me last year, I would have been like, oh, yeah, he's a second-round draft pick. He's really, really nice. But then this year, he really, really stepped it up. And like I said before, 70 receptions, 1,000 yards. He had to share targets with Jackson Smith and Najigba. He also had to, he also had to share um, just overall just offense with the running back as well. Like there was just a lot of offense from Ohio State this year. And a lot of it went to, like four guys, right? 
Jackson Smith and the Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and uh, the running back. I forgot his name. But again, it went to a lot of different guys. It's hard to be a high-volume wide receiver or a high-volume running back when, like, everybody's getting 1,000 yards and, like, over, you know, 80 touches, you know? It's ridiculous, or technically over 70 touches. But Garrett Wilson found a way to be incredibly productive. And by the way, I also want to talk about his his yards per catch, right? So when you're a high-volume target, your yards per catch is going to go down. Like, you're, like if you get 10 yards per catch and 100 catches, you're fine. You're dandy. Like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Garrett Wilson had 15 yards per catch on 70 receptions, which is great. Like, anything over 13 yards per catch for a wide receiver is great. And he has 15. And he also has an incredible amount of touchdowns, which is another thing I want to talk about, right? You very, very rarely see wide receivers get a lot of touchdowns. They're way more, their statistics are way more predicated off of yards and receptions than touchdowns, right? Because touchdowns are for red zones, are, are in the red zone usually. And usually in the red zone, you utilize, uh, you utilize, excuse me, the tight end and the running back, right? But what it shows to me, the yards per catch, the incredible amount of touchdowns, 12, usually you see like from the top guys, four or five, he has 12. What that essentially means is that he's just running by people, okay? He's run by people, guys can't catch up to him. Garrett Wilson, beast of a wide receiver, a little bit bigger, it looks like, than Chris Olave, weight-wise, but Chris Olave, I think, is taller, he's 6'2", Garrett Wilson is six, 6 feet, and again, Garrett Wilson's 188, by the time we get to the NFL, he may have lost some weight to run faster, to be honest with you, but this time next year, he'll probably be like 195, somewhere close to 200. Awesome wide receiver. Is Garrett Wilson a top 10 player? No. I don't think so. But he's still an awesome player. Next up, I want to talk about one of the guys that you've probably heard pretty much. You know, if you've been following the draft, you've probably heard this guy. This guy's name is Traylon Burks, okay? Wide receiver out of Arkansas, okay? Arkansas had a really, really interesting season this year because of him, right? Traylon Burks, I wrote it down in my notes. Traylon Burks equals Mike Thomas, or not Mike Thomas, Mike Evans. Mike Evans, the six foot five wide receiver out of Texas A&M, who's the, uh, the premier guy for Tampa. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's an awesome wide receiver. When I watch Traylon Burks play, there's times where I'll, I'll just watch a guy and I'm just like, okay, I know his measurables, right? When I watch Traylon Burks, I'm like, oh, he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. He just looks bigger and stronger. He looks athletic, right? I was, and when I saw him play, I was just like, I don't even have to guess. I don't like, I don't even have to look up his measurables. He's probably 6'5", 220, right? Let's check him out. Check out his measurables here. Let me help you out. Traylon Burks. 
His height, 6'3", 222, 225, right? Essentially, if you don't know, like, the comparison, if you don't know the relevancy, that's essentially like Mike Evans. When I saw him play, I was just like, he looks like a tight end, kind of. Like, it's kind of that type of a mismatch where he's just bigger, he's stronger. Some people want to say this guy's the the king of of uh of uh, of the 50-50 ball. I don't think so at all. I think he's a very very rare prospect where even though he's like 225 and he's 6-3, dude can boogie. Great adjustment to the ball, great tracking ability, nice hands. He just has the ability to make a lot of catches, okay? And he's a decent enough route runner. Would I say that he is the elite route runner that I think a Jahan Dotson, a Chris Olave, all these guys are? No, I wouldn't say that. But is he competent enough to be able to still create separation at the top of his routes? Significant enough separation where it's just like a neon flashing sign that says, hey, buddy, I am wide open. Lay it on me. Absolutely. And weirdly enough, once again, six foot three guy, 225, shockingly fast. Like shockingly high end top speed. Like it's not Jahan Dotson, like Jahan Dotson may run like a 4340. Traylon Burks may run like a low 4440 at 225. Dude's a big freaking wide receiver. Dude can kind of run fast. And by kind of, I mean he can really run fast. Not much else to say about Traylon Burks. Is he a top 10? I don't think he's a top 10 guy. But he's like one of those guys that... He's a French top 10 guy. And I know that in by top 10, I mean like top 10 player in the draft. And I know I've said like that a lot about a lot of these wide receivers. But if you told me, right, maybe not top five. I don't think most of these guys are top five guys. But if you told me, for example, like you took Traylon Burks like 10th or 9th or even 8th overall, I would have been like, hmm, that kind of makes sense. I wouldn't be like juiced up about it. However, if you told me like you took him 12th, I would have been like, my eyebrows would have perked up. I would have been like, hmm. That's an interesting pick. Interesting in a good way. I think he's got it. Tricky thing is, when he doesn't separate, he does turn into Des Bryant a little bit. In the sense of, you can just say, fuck it, he's down there somewhere, and he'll just go up and he'll make a hell of a catch. You know? Because he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. Traylon Burks. Awesome wide receiver. Another guy that a lot of people are going to be talking about because of the school that he plays for, Drake London. The wide receiver out of USC. Now, Drake London, I wrote him down as like, he's he's a properly scouted Michael Pittman Jr. Like, Michael Pittman Jr., 
if you don't know the legacy that you know that happened with Michael Pittman Jr. as it relates to his draft, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., former USC wide receiver, current Indianapolis Colt. I was watching him play, right? I think in 2019, and kind of like when I got done watching him play, and when I started to see mock drafts be formulated of him, I was shocked to see him go as like low as the fifth and the sixth round. Like I remember doing mock drafts and be like, oh, Michael Pittman Jr. is here. This is a steal. I was just like, anything outside of the third round, he's a steal. And then as the weeks kind of started to go along and prolong and stuff like that, I started to see him kind of creep up draft boards, going from fifth and sixth round draft picks to always oh, going, you know, to like the third round, for example. Oh, now he's now he's definitively going to be a second round or not a second round, but now he's definitively going to be a third round. He's not just creeping every once in a while into the third round of these mock drafts. He's now definitively a third rounder. And then he gets drafted top of the second round. And I was just like, I'm not surprised at all. I think that's Drake London of USC. I think he's a proper, properly scouted USC wide receiver. I think he is a wide receiver that people like finally actually got like a nice glance at, a nice look at. I don't think that he's a top 10 guy and I don't even think it's close. But I think if you take him, I think he's a consistent wide receiver. I think, you know, I think he's not he's not like a Jahan Dotson in the sense of he's a burner. He's not Traylon Burks in the sense of he's an oversized mismatch. I think he is a well-sized. I think he's a I think he's a nice steak dinner. You know, nothing that'll you know, nothing exotic, nothing super different. Just consistent. You know, if you go to a steakhouse, you have a nice steak dinner, you'll be like, I'm full. That was a satisfying meal. I think that's. I think that's Drake uh, Drake London. I think he's just a satisfying wide receiver when you watch him. That is that's not a negative, by the way. I want to make I want to be perfectly clear. That's not a negative. But I don't think there's anything that puts him significantly. Oh, I don't think there's anything to me that will put him over Drake Bell, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, or Traylon Burks. I just don't think that's the case. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. But I still think he's like a top 20 player in next year's draft. I have a lot of wide receivers going in uh, the top 20. And uh, I think it's another freaking loaded wide receiver class. Trying to remember last year's. I think it's more loaded than last year's. If you told me like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake Bell, like not Drake, David Bell. Like some of these guys, if you told them like, if you told me like, hey, we're going to put them in last year's draft class, I would have been like, I think David Bell, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson are better. And even Traylon Burks, I think they're better than Kadarius Toney. I think most of those guys are also better than Rondell Moore. Cardinals took Rondell Moore, didn't he? No, Rondell was a second round draft pick, so. But I think he was a first. I think I think you probably would have seen like eight or nine wideouts, maybe 10 to 12, be taken in last year's draft if you put in David Bell, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. And maybe one of those guys would have been a top 10 guy. Just saying. Next up, 
after getting off of Drake London. George Pickens. Weird guy, right? Weird wide receiver. You probably haven't heard of him because he had a torn ACL. I watched the Cincinnati versus Georgia game last year. I got a burp. Excuse me. Saw Alabama versus Georgia this year. Saw Georgia versus Michigan this year. And the similar, I I remember I said to myself last year, before he tore his ACL and I saw him play in Cincy, I was just like, he's a top tier guy. He's probably a first round draft pick. Like late, mid to late first round draft pick. And I would probably fall back a little bit more on that because of the torn ACL and I don't know his recovery window and all that good stuff. I think he's still like, I would kind of look at you a little bit sideways if you took him in the first round. I would be like, why did you take a wide receiver coming off of a ACL injury in the first? But um, the way ACLs, you can repair them now. It's just, you know, it's kind of like a non-injury. It's just like, you know, you just tear your ACL and then bada bing, bada boom, in like a year, you're fine. Maybe I'm overreacting about the ACL. I still think he's like a fringe first-round draft pick. I think he's a second-round draft. The only problem with him, and I'm super consistent on this. I'm consistent on like, like some people are going to be like, 24, what about Derek Stingley, right? If you don't know, Derek Stingley, corner out of out of LSU. I have been hypercritical about Derek Stingley. And the reason why I've been so critical on Derek Stingley is because I haven't seen him play anywhere near the level that he played in his freshman year at any course of the last two years. I'm like, where where's the... Where's the freaking, you know, you know, the level of play that I was promised? I haven't seen that shit in like two years. Now, really, almost three. So my problem with Derek Stingley, once again, is consistency. I don't have that problem with George Pickens. Like, George Pickens shouldn't be playing football right now. And it's like, um, what was it? It was like Jalen Waddle playing when um when he had like when he had fractured his foot like two months earlier this is this goes back to last year where Jalen Waddle had fractured his foot and he had played in the national championship game and I was just like this guy is ridiculous he was like limping on the field and playing football and I was just like like this guy's insane for playing and he's still capable and able of getting separation at the top of his rocks I was like this guy's ridiculous And it kind of reminded me of George Pickens. There's like one, I think, 30 or 40-yard bomb just straight up the gut of Alabama in the national championship game that I was just like, oh, yeah. That was, um, that's just freaking, that's just, that's that dude. That's that dude. That's George Pickens. Easily. I was like, that's what, that's who he is. He just runs by people. He's a big physical. How how big is he? He's like, he's got to be 6'2", 200, right? He's a big dude, right? Hold on. Or at least he looks like it. 6'3", 201, right? Big wide receiver. Big wide receiver. Excuse me. He's 6'3". 
200. That's his ESPN official measurements, right? He's a big dude. And he's still, I remember seeing it. And I was just like, that's George Pickens right there. He wears number one. I saw him against Cincinnati. And I, when I saw him made that play, I was like, that's Pickens. That's my guy. I was super excited to see him play this year. He tore his ACL in spring training. I saw him and I was just like, when I saw him beat Alabama, I was just like, that's him. That's my guy. George Pickens straight out of Alabama. Specifically, Hoover, Alabama. George Pickens, really, I don't know, again, if he didn't tear his ACL, and if the dude didn't, I, 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 we would probably, if he didn't, if he played the entire season, we would probably be talking about a top 10, maybe not a top 10 player, but like a top 20 player, I'm not really sure, but I do feel very, very strongly that George Pickens is like one of the best wide receivers in, um, in the draft. Just saying. Anyways. Anybody else that we have? We've been talking for like almost an hour and a half here. Oh, wait. I'm getting Mel Kuyper's draft. Should I pause this? Should I look at this? Should I commentate over this? This may be a good break. We only have like three more names. And all of them are kind of like. I look at some of these names, and I'm just like, mm, mm. it's like you're not. I'm not as confident as um, as I am in the other names. I like I'm not as like like I I once again said like X player is a top ten player in the draft. I am not. Wow, that's high. Okay, I'm gonna talk about this. So every single year. I myself don't run hundreds of mock draft simulators. Um, a lot of the time, it is me reacting and reading a bunch of simulators as well. I still do my mock drafts as well. But in this case, you know, it's pretty early on. There's not a lot of evaluators. I am not a fan of Mel Kuyper when it comes to his evaluations of um, of players. But let's kind of look at his mock draft, and we can kind of course correct, and I'll, I can kind of show you some things here, All right? So looking at his mock draft, right? We talked about Drake London. Remember, we talked about Drake London, and I said to myself, I'm like, he's like a better scouted version of Michael Pittman Jr. I don't think he had anything over the top to put him in the top ten. And as soon as I say that, the Jets they take him. Over Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Garrett Wilson, George Pickens. Maybe not George Pickens. David Bell, Traylon Burks. I'm like, terrible pick. Right? Terrible pick. I'll kind of just look at some of the um, the wide receivers if they're going to show me the wide receivers here. Or they're just going to not show me anything else, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Because for some weird reason, Mel Kuyper... Mel Kuyper's drafts are behind a paywall. For some weird reason. Like I can't get access to his mock drafts. And I'm like why? They're mock drafts. But yeah. Like already right. You're already starting to see people screw up their mock drafts. Drake London is not good enough to be a top 10 player. He's just not. There's like literally four or five guys. And I'm just like at his position. Then I'm like oh yeah they're better than he is. Anyways. Anyways. 
I guarantee you, 20 bucks, say, I guarantee you, Drake London will be significant. I mean, we, like, we don't even have to look, we don't even have to wait months. We can just go on reputable sites, right? Pro Football Network. Let's see where they draft, where they have Drake London. Let me show you something. These are, these are like official websites with mock drafts. Let me show you where they have Drake London, right? Drake London, they have him as the fourth, the fourth wide receiver, okay? Let's go to uh, the draft network here, right? All they do is just talk about draft, the draft network. Let's start a mock draft and let's see where they have Drake London right now. They have Drake Lunt. Yikes. They have him almost where I have him. Yeah. I mean, besides like David Bell being ranked over him, I mean, they have J Jamison Williams ranked over him. We'll talk about that later. But like they have one, two, three, four, five wideouts ranked higher than Drake London. And Mel Kuyper has him going in the top 10. And I'm like, what? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Anyways, um, final three names. I'll kind of speed run through it because I know we are all tired. I am. It's like 1.30 at night. I'm juiced. I'm tired. I'm tired. Um, Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Okay. I'm not a big Jamison Williams guy, even though he has all the statistics to prove that he is that dude. I remember somebody said it best. He's like, he's another version of Henry Ruggs. He is raw speed and not a lot much else, okay? The reason why I say that and the reason why, okay, look at this. The reason why I'll let you in on this. I'll let you in on this secret. The reason why... I am not super high on Jamison Williams and why I'm just like, he's a speed guy and he's kind of only a speed, speed guy. Watch the Cincinnati game in the semifinals. He got locked down by Ahmad Gardner. Locked down, okay? Locked the frick down. And I was kind of like, and I knew the matchups, right? And I think I talked about it before the game had even started. I was like, Amon Gardner versus uh, versus Jamison Williams is going to be an awesome, awesome matchup, right? And I was watching that matchup, and all I saw was Amon Gardner going nowhere fast and freaking Jamison Williams not beating Ahmad Gardner whatsoever. It was bad. It was his worst game ever. But beyond that, he's had a great season. But the ACL, it's I'm I'm consistent on this. He tore his ACL. I don't know if he's a top ten guy anymore or top fifteen. I didn't have him in my top ten to begin with. I think he's lacking route running as a wide receiver, which is not a good thing. I think he lacks mechanics. But I think Alabama kind of helped him refine some of those mechanical deficits, but he's still not great enough and good enough to be able, in my opinion, to be a top 10 guy. Now, if you told me 
that he developed some of those deficiencies as a wide receiver. Yeah, like he, he easily could have been a top 10 guy. He probably could have been the best wide receiver in the draft. If you told me he had like Chris Olave or Jahan Dotson's route running, I would have been like easily a top five player, but he doesn't. So here we are. He's like fringe top 20, top 30, something like that. I'd be iffy on drafting Jamison Williams because I'd probably essentially just be like, Jamison Williams is probably only going to be like a deep threat his first year or so, or you're going to have to Jalen Waddle it and uh, just do a whole bunch of just stuff with him that may initially not make a whole lot of sense. Like, you're going to have to place him in the backfield. You're going to have to do, like, all of these different things to try and get him the football because uh, I don't think he can just run out on the football field and just generate separation consistently. At least my that's my uh, opinion on the matter. Anyways, um... Jamison Williams, Alec Pierce, right? Wide receiver out of Cincinnati. We talked about Traylon Burks being 6'3", oversized. Talked about George Pickens, 6'3", again, oversized. I think Alec Pierce, if you had me bet money, I think he's 6'2". Maybe 6'3". Big boy. Big boy. 6-3, And when I watch these guys play, right, Alec Pierce, David Bell, Traylon Burks, they're all just big-ass human beings, right? When I watch Alec Pierce play, he's a big-ass human being. He's 6-3. He's 2-13. Really? He could balloon up to 225, 220. Somewhere around there. But he's a wide receiver. Like, whenever I watch Alec Pierce play and some of these other wide receivers, I talked about how I was like, Traylon Burks kind of looks like a tight end. That's kind of how, like, Alec Pierce plays whenever I watch him. He's this big physical wide receiver who, once again, can also, you know, he's got a little bit of wiggle to him. He's got a little bit of boogie, a little bit of giddy up in his step. But he can also route run. He's the the thing that like Alec Pierce, he does kind of everything well. And he's a hard evaluation for me. I think he's a safe player to bet on. He's a safe player to pick to me. But kind of like with what's his name? Drake London. He doesn't really do anything that like blows me out of my mind. But at the exact same time, I kind of look at Desmond Ritter and I'm just like, hmm. I wonder what would happen if Alec Pierce had had a better quarterback. That's kind of the thing that I sometimes think about whenever I watch Alec Pierce. I'm like, man, how much better he could be with a better quarterback, which is why I'm like, I'm not sure he's not a top 15 player. I think he's a, I think he's a first round draft pick, but I'm not sure that he couldn't go higher than like 15. I feel like he, I feel like given the right circumstance, he could probably be one of the better wide receivers in the country. But I think that he plays with a not-so-great quarterback who's definitely like a project in the NFL. Desmond, I like Desmond Ritter, the player, and as the person. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of work to do. 
Anyways, Alec Pierce, awesome wide receiver. I feel like his quarterback doesn't make him look as good as he possibly could. But hey, you don't pick the quarterback that you uh, that you play with. Final guy. Oh my God, John Mechie. <sighs> awesome season. John Mechie, I watched a lot of Alabama. I did not watch the games that he played in. John Mechie was like, he was the guy. Right? He had 96 receptions. Again, high volume guy, 96 receptions, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. And again, what's what's the consistent theme with all these guys? And this is similar to like CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is like six feet, maybe six one. 200 pounds, but he doesn't look like he's 200. Excuse me. He's 6'2". These statistics are wrong. He's, he's somewhere close to 200 pounds. ESPN has him 6'2", 189. He is 6'2". He's not 189. He's 6'2", somewhere close to 200. John Mechie is close to 200. He's 6'0", 6 six feet, 195. He's a gigantic human being. He doesn't look like it, but he is. But John, he tore his ACL at the end of the season. And kind of like with George Pickens, where I was like, played the full season. If he played the full season without the ACL, he's probably a first-round draft pick. I bumped his I bumped his stock, his stock down a little bit to, like, second-round player. Same thing goes with John Mechie, where I'm like, no ACL. And this is just off of the predication of, like, I don't know what I'm going to get after he comes back from the ACL. He could be fine. He could not be. I don't know. But like John Mechie, I don't really know what I'm going to get. I don't know if his speed will still be there. I don't know. It probably will, but I'm just I'm just saying. Right? John Mechie will probably be fine. Probably. But even then, there's still more wide receivers that I like more than John Mechie. Mechie, excuse me. And on top of that, No, that's just it. I would I there's some guys that I would rather have over John Mechie. I think he's like a second round draft pick. I think he's a I think he's a guy that if he falls to the second round, you're like, oh yeah, this is a pretty good pick. The ACL is concerning. Like when does he actually come back to play? But I'm fine taking John Mechie in the second round. I want to see him run. I want to see how his ACL injury is recovering, but Fine with taking him in the second round. Anyways, I am tired. I'm tired. Hold on. Megan Fox is trending on Twitter. Why is she trending on Twitter? Anyways, um, I'm tired. It's like almost 2.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, awesome conversation about wide receivers. I'm so tired. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about playoffs. We'll get in the news. God, I'm exhausted. I'll see you tomorrow. 24th podcast.